Hey, good morning. Tuesday morning. It's uh, 7.48 on Tuesday morning, Arizona. I'm out with Bud. I had a great... I was talking a lot. I should say I should say it wasn't a great podcast because it didn't get recorded. But I, I put the phone in my pocket and somehow I must have bumped it to turn it off. So Sunday night...
such a letter from Paul to Timothy. And is that really information that should be for everybody? I don't know. <laughs> again, it's Paul at the end of Romans. Said he said he was going to looking forward to like an easy journey, a little cruise from Jerusalem to Rome on its way to Spain, Mediterranean cruise lines. But no, it didn't happen that way. He uh, was thrown in prison for four or five years, shipwrecked on the way over to Rome. Yeah, it didn't happen that way, that way. So does that mean the scripture's inerrant? No. Does it mean that Paul was inspired to write something that wasn't going to happen? No. It just means it was a letter to Rome, and that's what happened. So let's look. How do we apply it to First Timothy? Can we? This is like heresy for me to suggest that perhaps taking verses from First Timothy and just saying, "Well, that's the way it is in 2018," you know, because Paul wrote this to Timothy and. We're the leaders of the church, and so whatever Paul said to Timothy, we're going to do it. We're going to set that for us. That's for us. And I'm not going to make a huge argument out of that. I just say, let's have some thinking about it. And if in the first few sentences, Paul saying to Timothy, he's writing the Jews. And another thing is the time in which we're going to This is... First uh, Timothy is near the end. Paul's been through all these experiences and cleverly they passed the reason they talked about So he, Paul already wrote a letter to the Ephesians, to the people. In fact, I just happened to be in And it's kind of like the first letter he wrote after a five-year hiatus from writing, or at least writings that ended up in the Bible. So he wrote Romans, and apparently, in Acts tells us how he went to uh, prison, locked up, gets to Rome, writes the Ephesians. He does love this guy. But 
So why doesn't he write to the Ephesians or even say, hey, side note to Timothy? Put that in there. At that time, he waits what, five, maybe ten years before he actually writes the, the letter which is addressed to Timothy directly. And uh, so he doesn't talk about all this church organization stuff to the Ephesians the first time. And he also says how great the people are and praises them for their faith and love. Grace and peace, these are big words, key words that are often repeated by Paul throughout his writings. Faith, hope, love, grace, peace. Just great words. And so the message was about being rich, of course, and that we get the people pulling out the flat numbers saying, and I, I just don't get this $2 a day thing. It just, it just makes no sense. Clearly, a guilt trip comes. We just live in a different economic situation. It develops. Do these people just think like the world is supposed to be homogeneous all around? And people just have some common sense and say that. probably the happiest people in the world. I mean, they might be growing vegetables. They might be creating crops. They might be uh, raising animals. They might be hunting. They might be fishing. <laughs> this economic money exchange thing is just so bogus. Yet these people elevate it to this like weird Americanized standard that we're so rich and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'm not so sure how rich we are. It's just the bank account numbers, the numbers, the cars we drive. Yeah, we're, we have a lot of challenge issues. I'm not saying it's straightforward. We can slam dunk. These guys are nuts. But I, mean, I just wish this $2 a day repetition was, would just stop. And, um, yeah, anyways, I'll go to the other church. So there we're talking about Good Samaritan for the last five weeks. So there's different characters in the story of the Good Samaritan. There's the priest, the Levi, the man who's injured, the robber, and the innkeeper. So last, last uh, day today of the innkeeper, it's about being a good neighbor. Good presentation, encouragement, equipping us to be good neighbors. Much better presentation, much different style. Because something similar happened at the, uh, the Baptist Church, and it just was more clinical, more obey the commands of being a good neighbor, and that obedience to commands is one of my pet peeves. <laughs> Again, it sounds like heresy. But when I, I love reading 1 John, you get into the commands, and it's like, because it's such a guilt trip. Well, you know, those Jesus said, those who follow my commands are just awesome. And I'm like, well, first John is a couple places where it's the commands are pretty easy. It's like love God and love people. So well, I, that's that's pretty challenging right there. And if that's our focus, that's great. 
sitting down in the shade. Maybe we'll rest a little bit. I didn't drink any water, but we'll, we'll go home soon. Let me get this off your beard. So you get a little rest. Go ahead, bud. Rest. And, um, so, all right, we'll keep going. All right. Um, so, different. It's night and day. Then I have to Seems like I would check my brain out after a while. It's like doing repetitive stuff. So that's me. And um, where else am I going? Some of the stuff. So, um, World Cups on. Americans kind of that don't really follow it or appreciate it, kind of make fun of it, try to compare it to American football, which. a good example of like fear of like, 
So yeah, football on Sunday night. I was speaking, still recording, not losing it. Looks like I'm still recording. And uh, talked about Harold Shebold from Bavaria. Yeah, Harold Shebold and uh, Berlin 19. I think it probably was 94. Could have been 95. Um, Bill Clinton came over to Berlin, and there was a big ceremony about not only divided East-West, it was also divided by the Allies and the Axis. So Russia, Russia occupied East Berlin and East Germany, basically. West Germany had sectors of support that went even outside Berlin into the greater West Germany area, so Bavaria was American, down around Munich, and there's a, a town called Garmisch-Partenkirchen, which the Americans set up as like a resort area for the soldiers, so that's a nice visit on the weekend. Go to Garmisch, Garmisch-Partenkirchen, and you're down by the Alps, so they got a good sector. The British might have been upset because they got northwest West Germany, which wasn't the most beautiful and best weather and then the French had the southwest so good old Harold Shebold this is this is when I made an epiphany <laughs> about about World Cup about soccer and about war and European views of different nations um, and, and the epiphany probably isn't very pleasant but it, to me it sure is humorous um, so there's uh, John O'Connor, an American uh, who's British but American. Uh, what do you call it? Citizenship. Came to America for a while and then decided to join the uh, this new engine development. So for whatever reason, he's he's into some history and politics too. I should have gone with him, but I didn't. So he goes downtown today. Bill Clinton's there. John's telling the story. Here's where Harold chimes in. He's listening to this. Harold's from Bavaria. He's he's uh, out of water because Bavarians don't really like um, northern Germany, Berlin, because there's no mountains really around there. So Harold chimes in. He says, "Well, I don't mind the Russians, the Americans, and the British." This is, put yourself 
in the former East Germany, 1994. The wall's just been down for five years. And you have a Bavarian who's working in Berlin, who's probably doesn't really like his job. And now he, he, he devolves into his political views about the French and how, how uh, he's sort of proud. I guess you'd have to say he's proud of the Germans. <laughs> the French. Now, to me, that's absurd, and I think to most of the listeners, that it's got to be an absurd observation. Like, they, World War II was not Germany's finest hour. <laughs> it was not Germany's finest hour in World War II. It was their worst hour. So, so here Harold trying to make, make something positive out of World War II. The Germans did indeed beat the French in the quarterfinals, but uh, they struggled in the, <laughs> in the semis and they definitely lost the finals. So, so that's the, the German view of war, very similar to soccer and celebrations. That was a missing report from Sunday night. Probably most enjoy telling that story that's looking at is a funny
say this whole thing goes well. Now you got 39 people that are able to actually do some cool stuff. Some more than likely Samsung, Hyundai, they're gonna open up factories up there. Maybe the US will invest some money in there. You know, maybe there'll be a real love fest between China and America. <laughs> and they'll open up plants in North Korea. You know, let's think positive, folks. And so the abundance But he does a weekly podcast, and he pretty much ends every podcast with grace and peace, grace and peace. So I like that.
realize that because we, for me, anyway, grow up for the last four years and I hear most of these 2,000 sermons, whatever, don't really talk about it. And I think it's the most essential part of the Trinity, especially in these times where Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is um, gone. He said it's better if you go away because the Holy Spirit. like, yeah, man, I may have had to die on the cross, but that was only one day. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's had to be on this world with all the evil disasters, crap, for over 2,000 years, so don't grieve the Spirit. That's a real thing, man. So think about that today. Spirit's been out here for over 2,000 years. We've seen some just awful stuff. So awful, we just can't find it. It's just gotten worse, right? I mean, with all the ways we can hurt each other. And the Holy Spirit is unfortunately with us. So, be kind to yourself. Be kind to the Holy Spirit today. Kind of chill like this. I think I might have come up with one there for Jesus. He might have laughed at that. Sitting on the throne, right, Jesus? You're up there at the right hand. And uh, your buddy, Holy Spirit, is doing the hard work right now. That's a beautiful message, right? The, the mystery of God and Christ and the cross. I mean, it doesn't. The mystery doesn't stop at the cross or the resurrection or the ascension. So, a little. You may not have heard me express this one. The ascension is overlooked, but it is so important, right? I mean, think about the alternative. So Jesus doesn't ascend. To me, that again is comical. Uh, this is uh, uh, joke worthy for Jesus. <laughs> Not Jews for Jesus. How about jokes for Jesus? <laughs> oh, I'm terrible, right? But there's a whole organization that are very sincere called Jews for Jesus. And now 
coming up with jokes for Jesus. So here's the, here's the joke. So, I mean, if he doesn't ascend, first of all, he's ready to go. I mean, those guys, Peter, they're like, hey, are you going to bring back the kingdom now? We're all so impatient, right? Look at those guys in Acts 1. They, they want the kingdom to come back. And Jesus is like, I'm out of here. I'm going. So that was that was thing. So if he's stuck around, the alternative, right, which, you know, this is uh, the wisdom of God. Here's another example of the wisdom of God. So there's a, there's what they call it, props. There's props for the Father. <laughs> props for the Father who figured this all out. He's got to go, man. Jesus has got to go because he's now eternal. He's going to live forever. So it would be really weird for for him to be walking around for 2,000 years and everybody be like, he'd be like Superman or something. And people would expect him to be like Superman. It's like, hey, Jesus, you know, we know you can't die now. You're like God and you're like forever. So go fix it. Go fix it. Go fix it, Jesus. You're here. You're at, what's going on? So that's not the plan. It's also part of the mystery. But he had to go. He couldn't stay here. And that's why I, I, the ascension, how about that? The ascension is like way underrated. It's so underrated. And why is that? Because I said so. Your host of the podcast. I declare that the ascension is extreme underrated so I don't know Rob Bell was I listened to his podcast while shopping last night grocery store store and it's like repackaging it's like it's not a new truth the ascension and pointing out well what if it didn't happen and that's also how another way in my quote unquote advanced Bible study methods (laughs) that I just created is to look at the scriptures and ask yourself, well, what's missing? What's not written? What's not here? And I had one of those experiences this morning in Ephesians 4. So Paul's writing to these people in Ephesians and what's missing is the Great Commission. You're kidding me. How could Paul take up an opportunity? How could he write five or six chapters of, of uh, inspired, inerrant word and not talk about the commission. It was right there. He had the opportunity. He could have done it right there in chapter four. Ugh. But he wants us to be changed and transformed and to have unity of the spirit. He doesn't say... Oh, well, all this stuff I'm teaching you, it's all, it doesn't matter. It's all about the Great Commission, people. Damn, that's, no, he doesn't do that. It's not, so why not? So another way to, when you're going through the Bible, is ask, well, what's not here? What have I read in other places? It seems like this would be the perfect spot to insert that teaching. And that's where I see Really, I kind of call it a hoax, which has got hugely negative connotations, right? Again, cultural heresy. It's not, it's not theological heresy. I'm just pointing out that the Great Commission is a framework made in like the 1800s to gen up 
missionary activities. And but I'm gonna pick you up and carry you. You can't make it more than ten feet. Cheers, everyone. Let's see what we got here. I gotta turn this baby off. And we're good. 